<laughs> and you got to remember, it was December. When I went back and watched it, I was like, I remember that. You know, it's <laughs> jumped all over him. Yeah. But I forgot about the the injury at the end of the game that took forever. They never ESPN did not move ahead in the broadcast due to time constraints. Which, by the way, you're ESPNU. What are you rushing to get to as far as time constraints are concerned? But it got me thinking about uh, before we get to the top five stories today, a very crutchy, low hanging fruity conversation that at some point, Josh, we need to have between now. I don't know, maybe the start of camp, right? And that is three to four guys that Striplinged or Eric Grade or why am I why am I I keep wanting to call the receiver walking Iglesias for some reason that had the big bowl game for us against Oregon. But who do you expect to see for Oklahoma that can carry over the momentum? from what they did in the bowl game and have a season in 2023 kind of, and again, I, we can fight about bowl game momentum all that we want. Right. But who do you think can go out and do for their season? What basically Jalil Farouk did last year or what? Stripling there, there's one name that year. immediately Eric comes Gray to mind. did. Right. It's, it's in the running back position, right? Sachuk. Gavin Sachuk. But hold, hold that thought because I also want to go on the other side because maybe Sawcheck also falls into the category of a guy who had a big bowl game that and you like, look out, and then has a stripling kind of a season. Sure. Right? So, again, put it in the topic wheel, if you will, and why I can never remember Jill Farouk's name when we start talking wide receivers blows my mind. Defensively, I don't know if there was anyone better in the field for a majority of that game than Danny Stutzman. Right? I mean, he was – had it a, was everywhere. Had a very good game. So he, he might even fall in that category. But just because I watched it, relived the frustration of it, how close that team truly was, that got me excited for seeing what guys can carry over that momentum. All right, you ready for the top five stories today? Giddy up. All right, here we go. It's brought to you by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. I-44, exit 107, newcastlecasino.com. You heard the man, where real gamers play. Happy hour, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. Blackjack, three-card poker, ultimate Texas Hold'em, backrap, plus much, much more. Newcastlecasino.com. Big story number five. Number five. All right. We're bookending the top five stories today with Media Day and football conversations. At number five, SEC Media Day starts today. LSU, Missouri, Texas A&M are getting after it today. Tomorrow, Auburn, Georgia. Kirby Smart will talk tomorrow. Mississippi State. Also, do not forget about Vanderbilt and its contingent that will be there. Uh, Nick Saban will speak on Wednesday. The Hogs are going to talk on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, you get a little Lane Kiffin, Shane Beamer, and Josh Heupel. Oh, my gosh. So, this thing's a four-day event? Yeah, they go, I think it's 3-4-4-3. That doesn't make sense. You you get three coaches on one day and three coaches on another day. They, They spread the bad boy out over four days. 
<laughs> so, uh, by the way, that means when we're going to wherever it's going to be next year, I don't think it's in Nashville because this is the first year Nashville has hosted it, but that'll be hotel rooms for like a week. <laughs> It'll be more expensive than the damn College World Series to go cover SEC media days. Yeah, brilliant by uh, whoever set this up with the hotels down there. Kirby Smart, uh, okay, we'll talk. Well, you're going to be out tomorrow, so I'll just ask. Do we get questions about? 100%. Okay, all right. No the- doubt. All right. Because I just I feel like stories that have disappeared, right? There's there's a lot of them. The Iowa Iowa State gambling probe. Where is that? What happened to the Alabama baseball coach? What happened to the story about the Big Ten TV contract that wasn't finished? Nobody seems to be talking about it. Georgia's massive amount of speeding and off the field issues has been a non-topic, it seems, for a while. But two weeks ago, talked to a Georgia guy. And he said that it's a major topic around Athens, right? You win, and that's great, but at least around the program, there is this guy Guy got another speeding ticket two weeks ago. I think it was like going 60 and a 30, which is speeding. So I wonder if that's going to be a major topic tomorrow. I will say you couldn't ask for three more interesting guys to get it started. Brian Kelly, we're wondering if this is a national championship contender in Baton Rouge. Jimbo Fisher, I mean, is he coaching for his job? Brings in Bobby Petrino. Everyone's high on Connor Wegman. And then the guy who stuck his foot in the mouth in his mouth the most uh, in Eli Drinkwitz for Missouri. I, fascinating way to kick off SEC Media Days coming up this afternoon. Absolutely. All right, big story number four. Number four. And we're going to head to SEC Media Days coming up at the bottom of the hour to hear from Greg Sankey. Josh, big story number four. Are you all in on the Shohei Otani is going to be traded conversation? Where do you stand as of 11.10 a.m. Monday, July 17th? I mean, obviously interested to see how this plays out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in. I mean, I mean, it's a massive domino in the world of baseball. And – for the game of baseball, it would be – I mean, for the Angels, for them to screw this thing up is just unbelievable mm-hmm. with, with Trout and Otani. And I know that, obviously, health at times has, has been a part of that. But the idea that you would trade that off is, is kind of crazy. And yet, for the game of baseball, it's probably best that Shohei Otani is somewhere else and in a competitive situation. The, the game of baseball, it, it would – behoove baseball for Otani to be involved in October. I could not agree more. Now, where that winds up, okay, I don't know. And who's to say that necessarily, you know, the trade partner winds up being somebody that's particularly competitive? Like the Rockies, who came out and said that they would be in the mix or they wouldn't be. Their owner had replied to an email message. It's like, hey, I want to go with the best players. I don't know. Here's my thing with Shelly, just real quick. Because I've been all in on this. I don't know if anybody knows. I mean, it just, who knows? Guy's different, right? He's not chummy with any writer. There's no one that has the inside scoop on anything Shohei. Kind of seems like he's got, yeah, he seems to love baseball a lot. But he also seems to love, love winning. So, like, for instance, when a Jim Bowden from the MLB Network, whenever he comes out with, let's see, where was it? And when he comes out with this, I don't know if this is just speculation 
and a bunch of other GMs talking to each other, and then it's like a hen house where everyone's like, well, I heard, well, I heard, and do they really know? But I found this to be at least a fascinating take. I am being told that Shohei Otani is not going to resign with the Angels, that Shohei Otani has gotten to the point where he wants to be in the playoffs and World Series the rest of his career. He does not like losing. I don't see a pathway where the Angels are going to be all of a sudden become perennial contenders. I don't see it with their farm system. I don't see it with their resources. I don't see this happening. I think he's gone. And I think the Dodgers are going to do everything they can to land them. They prepared this year. They let Trey Turner walk. They made a lot of decisions last offseason. They have not spent money because they were waiting for Shohei Otani. And I think they got a legitimate shot of landing him. And if I'm the Angels, am I going to let Otani go for a draft pick? So I gave Otani all that money. I never finished above 500 with him. And now I'm going to get nothing back? Mm. I mean, do you remember when the Nationals held on to Harper and he left and they got nothing for him? Mm -hmm. Well, they learned their lesson, right? Because then they got Soto and then they traded him for six players. And now their future is bright. If you're the Angels, you have no choice but to trade Shohei Otani. You have no choice. Or if your choice is not to trade him, you should either lose your job or sell your organization. So, I, I like, I like this. The future is so bright for the Washington Nationals, but that's—I don't think that's necessarily based in fact. It's just you got a lot of prospects, and it's—it's it's a nice core, but you know we we still got time before we see what true kind of difference. Mackenzie Gore, Luke Voigt, I could go on the list of guys. I mean, I don't see the Nationals knocking on the door in the East right now. I just would have a hard time being the guy on the hook for trading a generational talent like that. Hard time, Josh. And you truly, I mean, is there not a part of you that feels like you, you could potentially lure him into staying? Uh, maybe I'm crazy. I, just, I don't think I could make that move, man. I don't think I could trade Shohei. This isn't like Juan Soto. This isn't like Bryce Harper. This is a generational t- – and those guys are good. But this might be one of the greatest shows we've ever seen in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. And obviously you just don't want to take the risk that you get nothing. Walks, yeah. Uh, okay. So I can tell no one really cares about the Otani talk. Outside of Drake's big baseball guy, he he brightened up whenever I got to it. Here's my favorite moment for Major League Baseball so far in 2023. This comes right. courtesy of the Yes Radio Network, or the Yes TV Network, Yankees Rockies. Treyo 120 at bats does not have a home run this year. Until now, a game-winning walk-off home run. And the Rockies win this one eight to seven. <laughs> is that the greatest announcer jinx maybe of all time? It's pretty good. Does not have a home run. How many at bats? Oh, uh, 120 on. at bats. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. 220. Treyo, 120 at bats does not have a home run this year. He does now. <laughs> <laughs> now he does. Um, Oh, by the way, so big story number five, right? We're talking about SEC Media Days. Next year, SEC Media Days will be in Dallas. Is That was announced? Brett McMurphy. Next year's SEC Media Days will be held in Dallas. Oh, man, that's great. That'll uh, be the first year with Texas and Oklahoma in the league. 
and the first time that SEC Media Days will be held in the Longhorn State. Or the Lone Star State. Oh, my gosh. In the Longhorn oh State. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So, that means Jerry World? Oh, I'm sure it will. SEC Championship game? Yeah. Hey. There was a debate about how the Big 12 needed to defend Dallas. As you got to defend Dallas. Good luck now if the SEC is coming knocking on that SEC door. SEC basketball, baseball tournaments, OKC. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. I think that I think the SEC baseball tournament. I think they're st- going to stay where they are. I think you mentioned Jerry World for the SEC championship game, but I think it's going to take a lot to try to lure that out of Atlanta. It didn't take much to get media days. <laughs> well, media days bounce around apparently. Like so, they go. I think they were in Mobile last year in Nashville this year. I hear what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. But, hey, Matt Sadus. I got you. Nothing to pull from media days goes everywhere. Right, exactly. But I will say it is. Cool it drink is, of water. It is kind of interesting now with all the cockiness of the Big 12 last week. Now all of a sudden it's like SEC media days are going to be in Dallas in 24. You're like, all right. Will, uh, will Tim be in attendance? That's a good question. I do not know. He can tell us about uh, reluctant brides. Reluctant brides. Big story number three. Number three. All right, so big story five, talking about SEC Media Days. We're going to hear from Greg Sankey in a bit. Big story four, the Otani talk, and then the uh, incredible walk-off call by the Yankees' Yes Broadcast Network guy yesterday. Number three, it's Tag Day in the National Football League. Josh Jacobs, who hasn't signed his franchise tag yet, apparently he's not going to reach a deal by 3 o'clock. Jeremy Fowler reported yesterday that we won't get a deal for Tony Pollard by 3 o'clock today, and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case for Saquon Barkley either. I was looking at potential holdout guys just because I was thirsty for topics, but it does, the only other name that was brought up after Quinnen Williams signed and Evan Ingram signed was potentially Josh seeing a holdout for Chris Jones. Has there been any buzz about where his contract is and how close they are in extension? Not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a big one. That's a, a whopper for Kansas City. Saquon Barkley, is this not going to work out? Doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. They've so, been, I mean, they've been at this thing for months. This Saquon and Jacob's situation seems like they're in this together, and I don't know if they have the same agent or not. So what, what happens if uh, they don't ink the tag? Well, I mean, Jacob's technically isn't on the Raiders' roster. But they still have his rights. I, don't, I mean, it, it just turns into a sit-out for a season yeah, here? They they go Le'Veon Bell is what could happen. Yeah, here. man. I, Which I don't think is the right move. I do think that in the end, Josh, they'll come together. And before this 3 o'clock deadline? Yeah, well, maybe not today. But at the very least with Josh Jacobs going, all right, I'm going to sign this. But if y'all start tanking, I want out. You know, if this ends up being a situation that it looks like it's going to be, where your quarterback heading into week one right now is Brian Hoyer. And don't give me Jimmy Garoppolo. The dude hasn't even stepped on the practice field or a workout since foot surgery after you signed him. So I might be just be a situation where maybe you just don't play him. <laughs> right. I mean, heck, they decided not, not to play Derek Carr because they were worried about injury situations. Anything else for the NFL that caught your eye this week? And camp start on Wednesday for the Jets. Rookies report at 10 places, including Atlanta, Kansas City, Buffalo this week. One of the things that they showed on here actually was kind of interesting on ESPN that 
the uh, four open practices that mm-hmm. they've had, every single one sold out in three minutes for the Jets. Really? Yeah. Seems to be a lot of buzz around this team from New York, you know? All right, big story number two. Number two. So, uh, I again, a lot of this stuff I get second, third, fourth hand because I spend way too much time on Twitter. But it looks as if what many of you felt was a potential Oklahoma target in Taryn Kern has reached her decision, but it was not necessarily out and out announced. Kern went on Twitter uh, at Taryn Kern 2022 and tweeted year two loading with a smiley face emoji and red and white hearts. Now, 80% of her Twitter mentions are, do you love covered wagons or things of that nature? (laughs) But there seems to be a little bit of buzz that maybe she could be going back to Indiana. Which would be great. Which would be really cool. And I'd be pretty fired up for her. But I also, I mean, again, we can fight and scratch and claw over the portal all all you want. I don't really know if, if Oklahoma felt the need to go try to add someone like Kern. Maybe they feel like they have pretty good depth when it comes to second base and some of the youngsters. And as Coach Casso has talked about quite a bit, you know, they've got to start playing these players. You don't want hey, they don't want Sophia Nugent to leave. They don't want Jocelyn Erickson to leave, right? They didn't push them out the door. So you want to make sure those opportunities are there for these young players to get an opportunity and then balance that with, okay, you want to make sure that those opportunities are there for the grad transfers when they come too. So uh, the addition of Kern, I think, is a, a, an interesting one if indeed that is the case, but I just don't think it is in Norman. I, the more I read, and like I said earlier, Josh, I didn't get to really dive too deep, but I really I like the, the Carly Keeney edition. I like it a lot. I think, she's a, I think she has the potential to be really good for them in 2023, or Keeney, 2024. Keeney and Monticelli both. Yep, yep. And by the way, it's really hard for me knowing that they have a commitment from someone named Keeney and everyone wants to see them get someone named Kern. I have screwed that up endlessly in my mind. Uh, So, again, I'll keep you up to date if any news breaks. But as of now, I don't necessarily know if that year two loading had anything to do with Oklahoma. Which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Speaking of Cruton. Speaking of Cruton, Josh. Get a couple of updates when it comes to the football recruiting side. And a couple of things that still caught our attention, caught our ear from Big 12 Media Days, including Brent Venables giving us a little bit of a scoop on Connor Neer, DeJon Terry, and Philip Paya, which we'll get into next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Sorry. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. Top five stories of the day brought to you by Newcastle Casino. With Josh Hummer, I'm Chris Plank. All right, here is a, here's a list of some guys that Brent Venables talked about. Now, now I'm – Again, I don't know, and I'll give kudos to Bob Prisbillo, even though he doesn't follow me on Twitter. I don't know if he specifically asked about these guys or if Brent Venables brought them up, but I was reading on the new Sooner Scoop about Connor Neer, DeJon Terry, and Philip Pay. I think I'm at Paya Paya? Paya. Paya? Okay. Uh, and Paya, he's the big defensive tackle that uh, Oklahoma brought in, quote, Another big, strong body. Guy tore his ACL early in the year. 
I think his best football is still in front of him. Big, strong, powerful body. Quote, can create competition inside, can create, what's the other term? Competitive depth and bring something from a humility, a respect, a work ethic standpoint that would help make us better. It's pretty it's pretty high praise of the former Utah State big man, if you will. I don't know, Josh. I am um it's interesting because you wonder about the torn ACL. This is a dude that was part of the Michigan recruiting class in 2017, struggled in Ann Arbor, then gets up to Utah State. And seems to to find some things that click, so it's an interesting name. Here, let's let's go on down. The, anything that you've seen from what you've studied or saw in Philippia? Oh, I, I think all of those things right there. Okay, depth. You know, obviously adds uh, plenty of that, and uh, and we'll see on the recovery front. But sounds like you know has been very very positive from the coaching staff. Tennessee transfer, which is a pipeline that Oklahoma has had some success with. And DeJon Terry, DJ Terry. Again, same thing. Size, power up the middle, natural strength. Quote, been an incredible human, humble, hardworking guy. His fit right in because he's low maintenance. He's a hard worker, been doing two days on his own since he got here. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma just, bottom line, needed, needed help. Mm-hmm. Beyond uh, beyond several of the names uh, up front that you're expecting from mm. uh, you know to be counting on from returnees like a co. There you go. And Connor Neer, Connor Neer is a guy that when they talk about him, they say things that get you fired up about the potential of this guy having a C on his jersey at some point, right? All American, a captain, a national champion. Really wanted to bring the right person, the right individual, the right player to fit our culture, our playing style. I wasn't just going to bring in an experienced guy. I wanted a guy that could line up and play winning football for us. Yeah, I mean, somebody that's been a part of winning. So, that's three guys. That's three dudes that he's brought in that maybe we don't talk about a ton. I mean, at least I'm guilty of not talking about uh, Paya. Paya or... Our DJ, that's just been me. Connor Neer, I think, kind of slid under the radar. But, yeah, Josh, I think that there is – I think there should be a lot of excitement for what they've brought in. Well, and if nothing else, why why can I never remember who we were were expecting to play a defensive tackle and has played quite a bit beyond uh, Isaiah Coe? Jordan Kelly. Thank you. For some reason, everybody has one of those names that they – Jordan Kelly is the name that – unless you hand me a depth (laughs) chart, I just can't remember it for some reason. There's so many guys like that for me, don't worry. But, you know, beyond those two, to have depth that that you feel like you can count on is uh, important. I mean, you got to have that if you're Oklahoma. So – we might not talk a lot about him, but in the eyes of Brent Venables, he's fired up about him. And, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. He signed with Michigan to be an offensive lineman. Went to Utah State, developed him to be a defensive tackle, and now he's under Todd Bates. All right, quick break. We're going to hear from Greg Sankey live on the dais next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. 
We'll hit the best of the text line coming up in just a bit. But Josh, uh, Greg Sankey has just taken the podium. He announced he's a first-time grandparent this week. And now they're launching into the laundry list of topics. Listen. In Birmingham, Atlanta, and Nashville. And there are many thanks and a great... You've got to be kidding me right now. And now we buffer. You've got to be kidding me right now. Literally, this thing had been playing perfectly throughout the entire process of listening. Then to make these four days productive for you. Our hosts here at the Grand Hyatt Nashville, the general manager, Mark Sternagel, and the director of events, Maxine Matheson, the Nashville Convention and Visitors Corporation, the recently retired president and CEO, Butch Spiridon, and the new president and CEO, Dina Ivey. The Titans provide us a home this year at the beginning of the season, as I referenced, and always at the end of the season as we compete in a bowl game with our Big Ten colleagues. Appreciate the Titans president, Burke Nihill. We're here to talk about football, but back on Broadway, down the street, towards lower Broadway, Bridgestone Arena, as our home for basketball each March. We appreciate their ownership group, their CEO, Sean Henry, their newly named president, who's been a longtime friend back to her days at Vanderbilt, Michelle Kennedy, the Predators leadership team, and the Bridgestone team for the great hospitality they provide. And both of those local professional franchises will provide you with hospitality this week as they will be hosting evening, re- evening receptions for the media. And also to the Nashville Sports Council and the Transperfect Music City Bowl and their executive director, Scott Ramsey. That's been a long time relationship for us and we appreciate all of that work. We're excited that tomorrow night, actually today they're building a stage. So on one side of Broadway, you have the realization I've been driving over steel girders every time I visited Nashville for the last few decades that are being replaced. On Lower Broadway, there's a stage being built. We'll host SEC Nation, the kickoff on Broadway, followed by a concert with the band Midland. Thank you to Regions Bank and to the Nashville Sports and Visitor, or excuse me, Nashville Convention and Visitors Corporation for making that concert possible. It's a huge stage and one of those vision points we're excited to realize. I usually don't recognize road crews, but I appreciate the fact that progress comes with a little bit of pain. Tennessee Department of Transportation actually. This isn't anything outside of my internet service deciding to be terrible. So we appreciate we TDOT. He's, and also, we're not really missing too much right now. He's just thanking everyone who's making this possible. So back to it. Convention and Visitors Corporation to, to ease the level of disruption that we're experiencing. You're going to hear from our coaches. I want to just point out on your schedule a few things. John McDade, our coordinator of officials, will start your morning tomorrow. You'll get to see the excitement that I see every morning during football season, so don't stay out on Broadway too late. On Wednesday afternoon, Dr. Katie O'Neill, the SEC's chief medical advisor, will be here at 3 p.m. to talk about her work with the Southeastern Conference. She started in that role a year ago. It's a unique role and she'll have much to share. I encourage your attendance Wednesday at 3 p.m. And Thursday morning, our friends from the National Football Foundation will be here to talk about the foundation's work, talk about the College Football Hall of Fame. And we're really excited about this year's class of Hall of Fame inductees, including Tennessee's 
Eric Berry, Missouri's Jeremy Macklin, Florida's Tim Tebow, and a name that's special to all of us in the SEC office, Roy Kramer. Roy will be entering the College Football Hall of Fame based upon his accomplishments at Central Michigan, but his impact on the Southeastern Conference and on all of college football is worthy of Hall of Fame recognition. In fact, Wednesday evening on the SEC Network, we'll be premiering a program focused on Roy, which I know makes him enormously uncomfortable. It's entitled Roy Kramer, a vision for the SEC. I, I encourage you to tune in Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the SEC Network. If there's anything that our dedicated staff or our group of volunteers can do for you to make this a productive four days, please let us know. Nashville, just based on my description and our reality, is one of the homes for the Southeastern Conference with our basketball tournament being held here annually now, Vanderbilt University being located in Nashville and its impact on this community. The capital of the volunteer state is located here in Nashville and it's a state that hosts two of our member universities. And the reality is Music City is a home to many, many students, alums, parents, family members, and fans of a particular university or SEC team. It is because of those relationships. Well, he's really going all in on Nashville. And the intrawebs here at the Ref Sports Radio Network are not happy about it. Television screens in March, a mass shooting at the Covenant School that will cause us not to forget the loss of six innocent lives, both children and adults. Today's leaders and tomorrow's leaders senselessly killed in one individual's act of violence. We know that day, March 27th, could have been worse were it not for the quick and heroic action for members, by members of the Nashville Metropolitan Police Department. With us today are four of the five team members who responded immediately and rapidly to the urgent call for help. And I'm gonna call him up here to stay on stage one by one. First, Detective Ryan Cagle. Definitely need the Ryan, visual element for this. So while, while they pay these tributes, we'll just go ahead and, and monitor it. I think this is really cool what Sankey and the SEC is doing in paying tribute to these heroes and these first responders. But for the sake of this program, and me wanting to have as many listeners listen for as long as possible, I'm pretty sure that this would be a place where I would lose you. So, Indeed. What we do know is that, as expected, the SEC, through the reporting of Brett McMurphy, is dipping its toe into the Lone Star State while they are moving media days, the rotating bases of media days, to Dallas. And I was thinking about this for next year. I wonder how some of the ardent, diehard SEC media types are going to handle this. Those that want to tell you how much, oh, Oklahoma and Texas is coming to this league. It's not that exciting. It doesn't make that big of a deal. Really? Your conference seems to think so. And if you're the Big 12, you got to be a little bit bent by this, right? Hey, what? first you take Oklahoma and Texas. Now you're trying to invade Dallas? Anyway, that just one of the fascinating notes that has come out of SEC media days is that next year – the SEC media days will be in Dallas. All right, let's let's get a little bit more here, and then we got a break, so we'll we'll try to patch the missing pieces when we come back. But I was going to get a little bit more before we take a timeout. 
Greg Sankey a big, at SEC media days, which gonna I'm going to say Big 12 media days 10 times. In a relaxed way, and the 2024 SEC men's basketball tournament at Bridgestone Arena is our guest. Words and gestures are one thing, but they really don't express our appreciation for the service, the leadership, and the commitment for, by dedicated individuals serving to uh, help, support, and respond in times of emergency to our communities. Thank you, gentlemen. Another round of applause for the crew of first responders. Let's get some news here, Sankey. Let's Since go. Since we gathered last year in Atlanta, we've experienced our own loss on our campuses. We've lost student athletes. We've lost head coaches, assistant coaches, athletics department staff members, along with retired leaders, coaches, and contributors. And we mourn each of those passings. Last year in Atlanta, one of my backstage conversations was about the uselessness of neckties. <laughs> it was a conversation that went much longer than I anticipated and ended in the rhetorical question of why neckties survive but powder wigs went away. <laughs> that conversation was with Mike Leach and today I'm without a tie just to honor Mike's memory. You know, we lost Mike in December, a person important, not simply to the Southeastern Conference, we only had him for a few seasons, but to all of college football. He was fascinating and impacted the lives of thousands of people across the college football spectrum and across his life. He provided wedding advice, advice evaluated Halloween candy, and if you ended up on a phone call talking about history, you had better have scheduled a great deal of time as he recited his historical knowledge. He also observed the world from a perspective that made you think and often made you laugh and sometimes made you just perplexed. And it's important that we remember people who've contributed, be it for the short term or the long term, to this wonderful conference. And we're going to miss Mike, but he's not going to be forgotten. Over those 12 months since our gathering in Atlanta, we've enjoyed a remarkable year. I don't have to tell you the Southeastern Conference is the only conference to have at least one team represented in each of the college football playoff events since its inception. As a conference, we've won four straight college football playoff national championships. You know what? This is a good spot to take a quick break. It's because a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. They're, they're, they're beating their chest. They're going to talk about number one draft picks, too. So when we come back, we'll get a little bit more juice on hopefully Oklahoma and Texas coming to the league, and maybe my internet connection will like us as well right here on The Ref. This thing, I don't know if you got a better feed in there than I do. It keeps buffering on me every now and then, but they did announce officially that they're going to Dallas in 2024, so... Here's a little bit more, Greg Sankey, before we wrap on the plank show. There's more to do, but thank you. Giving love to Bill Hancock here. leadership over the years. So he pointed out that, hey, the anticipation is that next year. He's buying drinks later on playoff. Broadway, he said. Only one person laughed at that. <laughs> as excited as I am about our future, the expansion to 16, welcoming Oklahoma and Texas, the changes around our schedules, not only in football, but in other sports, seeing different teams in different places competing at the highest level for national championships. We have important work ahead that requires a new level of collaboration to ensure the opportunities currently presented in our athletic programs remain available 
for decades to come. It's been two years since the first state laws brought to us the active concept of student athletes receiving economic benefit from their use of their name, image, and likeness. And I'm gonna be clear, as clear as I can. Our activities in Congress, our discussions with states, and even discussions of conference policies are not about taking away, not about taking away this new name, image, and likeness opportunities. In many ways, it's been a net positive for young people. But we all know there are stories, some stories told and others not told, of promises made but not fulfilled, of inducements offered but not provided, of empty commitments, of NIL agreements that created more questions than provided answers, and other behaviors in this space that rightly cause concern. And the reality, the reality is our student athletes deserve something better than a patchwork of state laws that support their name, image, and likeness activity, if support is the right word. Okay, we got to leave it at that because Steelman's coming up next. I like that approach, Josh Helmer, because I think so many times when, when we're talking NIL, it's about try, trying to limit, right? And everyone looks, oh, they're going to limit it and get rid of this because I don't like it and it doesn't work, blah, 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 whatever. whatever. But here's Greg Sankey that's saying, I feel like unmet promises is a major problem right now in NIL, which we don't, at least, let me, I feel like everyone's more caught up in, oh, who's cheating, who's enticing and inducing guys, who's breaking those rules, and I don't feel like we spend enough time on those unkept promises. So I thought that was a pretty clear line that Greg Sankey has drawn, which is, hey, we're not trying to limit what student athletes can make. We're not trying to limit NIL deals. We're not trying to put a cap on this thing, per se. But it sounds like they're trying to make sure that promises are being followed through upon. Yeah, I'll be curious to know what the rest of that thought is from Commissioner Sankey. Well, and then actions going forward, right? Well, you know, there's been a lot of speculation out there that, you know, when, when will athletes get a cut of a television deal? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know that, that Greg Sankey was about to drop a bombshell and say, hey, every athlete in our conference is about to get X, Y, Z. Okay, I'll tell you, he didn't say that. <laughs> I don't think that's where he was. He didn't end up saying that, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're coming at this from, hey, we don't want to limit, we're not trying to put restrictions per se, we're just trying to make sure that everyone's following through. That is – well, that is definitely something you don't hear very often. No, and and it, you know, whether or not, I mean, obviously you're, you're telling me that, that that's not what was said, but it makes me think that those types of thoughts are beginning at the SEC. A little bit more prevalent maybe than they are other places. We'll see. Uh, it, it took us 20 minutes to finally get to some substance there, but I do appreciate everything that he talked about beforehand. To quickly recap Greg Sankey's opening 20 minutes, the SEC is awesome and has been awesome at everything. Uh, Welcome I could, to my speech. I could summarize it in two words. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my goodness. All right. Guys, have a great rest of your money. Enjoy vacay. 
Enjoy going south of the Red River. Thanks, buddy. The new home of the SEC, Dallas, Texas. Let's go. I'd say I'll see you on Friday, but I'll see you next week. You will not. You will not see me on Friday. Um, I did want to take a moment, though, uh, to just say rest in peace to Julius Croslin. We lost a former Oklahoma State standout, Durant native. Um, What am I saying? Amarillo, Texas guy. Loved watching him develop. And I, I hate to hear that he's gone. Such a young, young guy to have been uh, been lost after playing at OSU in the uh, early to mid 2000s. So rest in peace, Julius Croslin, a uh, guy that you know definitely made an impact in Stillwater. Steelman is next. We'll have more from SEC Media Days right here on the ref.